0: Hey everyone, um, welcome to our retrospective for Fables Around the Table Chronicle. Um, I am Tom, and I'm here with Nick, hello, Chelsea, hi, and Cliff. Hey. So we're here to talk about the last season and just kind of just kind of think about it, think about stuff that we liked, maybe what we didn't like. Um, looking back, things we might would have done differently this is sort of an exercise for us to sort of like learn and grow and you know get better at what we do with this um and we also think it's you know interesting discussion content for people who are into kind of the nitty-gritty behind the scenes stuff if you're just here for like cool stories and like fun scenes and stuff um probably you know move on to the next episode but if you like this kind of discussion format and a little bit of navel gazing this is you know you're in the right spot
1: <laughs> we like talking about ourselves we do yeah
0: <laughs> but yeah warning that's what this is this is this is just us kind of talking about ourselves um so um i wanted to kind of open this up with just starting to talk about like the the game we were playing itself microscope um like broadly what were our thoughts on playing the game and let's sort of like start with the question of like what how did the game compare to your expectations like when you know i first sort of came to you and was like hey there's this game i'd like to run here's kind of how it works i'm curious like how how like your expectations were formed then and how actually playing the game might have like shifted those expectations or sort of like taught you how something like this works i'll just kind of open the floor
1: Everybody at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I, I really, uh, I really enjoyed this game. I had heard of it before, um, and it, it was, uh, when I first heard of it, it was, it sounded really cool and fascinating, and this different, um, take on what a role playing game can be, um, and just the idea of getting to create like a vast history of lore, um, for a setting that we, you know synthesize on the spot was sounded like a really cool idea um and and i think it met those expectations um the the one thing that i struggled with personally is i'm someone who enjoys the process of collaborating with people so the idea of like taking my element and have to like inject it into the thing without like kind of bouncing the idea around (laughs) And then dealing with other people's things that they throw in without bouncing the idea around was really against, like, what I wanted to do naturally. Like, where – when I work on projects and stuff, like, I want to collaborate. I want to bounce ideas back and forth in a very, you know, dynamic way. And that's not the way the game works. So that was, like, the one hurdle I had to deal okay. with. Yeah. And for people
0: who haven't, like, read this game, which is probably m- most of the listeners um, – though, you should you should go buy it. It's a cool game. Yeah. Um, but the, it's really, like, written into the game that it's collaborative in the sense that we take turns adding things, but it, like, strongly encourages you not to collaborate on the actual turns. So, like, when it's your turn, you're not supposed to, like, crowdsource the idea. You're supposed to, like, put your own idea and put your own stamp on it. And if other people don't like it, that's fine. They can go do different things. Um, mm-hmm. But the idea is that instead of, like, sort of, like, Group thinking your way into like a consensus on the history, it's supposed to have kind of like those jagged edges and sort of bounce around a little bit because people have different perspectives on things. Um, right. <laughs> Cliff and Chelsea, did you two have like any anything you wanted to add to those thoughts?
2: Um. So what I was really excited about what going coming into this was because we kind of tell like a, a grander adventure uh, because we have to tell this this you know really long story. Uh, when I'm writing games, my uh, perspectives are a lot more intimate and, like, very slow-burn character-driven, so being able to ha- have the opportunity to tell, like, a really big, epic kind of story was out of my wheelhouse. <laughs> and, like, that that was really appealing to me, being able to sit down and have it not all on me, but being able to, like, inject things that I thought would okay. be cool and have you guys do most of the work. <laughs> <laughs>
0: There you go. I think it worked, though. Yeah, yeah
2: so do I. I. I really love what we came up with.
0: Mm-hmm. I'll say for myself, like, what I was kind of surprised by um, was how natural it was to slip into um, scenes. Yeah. And how well, like, the reveal thoughts device sort of, like, worked to put us there. Um, right. Because, like, by, like, just coming up with characters and revealing thoughts, it almost served as, like, a group brainstorming session on, like, the direction of the scene without it being, like, quite so direct about it. But just, like, by, like, putting our characters' thoughts out on the table, it, like, generated way more direction than I would have expected. And, like, Mm -hmm. the speed at which we were able to kind of, like, fall into scenes and, like, make something interesting was surprising to me. That was, like, what I was a little bit um, nervous about was like that process of whipping together a scene basically from thin air felt to me like it would be difficult, but I I think it basically worked. I I think there are things that we can learn and we can talk about this more later, but that was what I was surprised by. was like how straightforward it was just to
1: fall into a scene. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it also helps that like all of us are experienced role players and, and have some of that like improv kind of um, experience just through, you know, our, history of playing role-playing games and being tabletop nerds so i think that that also helps a lot you know where you can jump into a scene and go um because i think all of us have game mastered and that's not too terribly different than improvising something from a game master perspective you know your players have their characters but you have to hop into an npc at a moment's notice so i think mm-hmm. all of us since you know we have game master experience dm experience i think that helps in something like this where we're basically all jumping into npcs yeah. and improvising a scene in the, on the spot
2: right and i think we were all really good about picking up on what each other was going for at any particular moment like mm-hmm. we we felt what the direction should be and we all were like yeah let's let's keep going this way instead of being like Uh, putting, going in a completely different direction where we were all confused.
1: (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah.
3: Yeah, and I feel like this was a really good spot where if you're, if you're somebody who's used to like the more traditional tabletop style of there being one solid DM and then the group of players, I feel like this is a good transition spot to go to for a, uh, if you're looking to explore into, like, GMless games, like Sleep Away from the uh, you know Firelight season of Fables, where, you know, that mm-hmm. one, it's much more core, just those little, instead of the little bits of scenes that are a lot of self-directed, it's that full self-directed. But uh, Microscope definitely gives that whole still feeling of, like, each different part, whether it's like the create each a person creates the scene or everything, it gives that little brief taste of being a DM while still having that, you know, more open narrative that you get with a lot of GMless games. So I feel like it's a good transition point going from that,
0: mm-hmm, for sure. Okay, I wanted to um then throw another but related question out. Which is, like, what were some of the... What do you think were some of, like, the specific challenges we ran into in playing the game? Um, So not just, like, stuff that went against expectations. And Nick already talked about his a little bit. But, like, what were things that we, like... You think that we found difficult that we had to kind of, like, work to figure out or get around while we were playing?
3: Uh, For me, keeping on theme with each round when it came my time to add things in is definitely a struggle. Like it, if okay. it may have started off well, but uh eventually just like like, oh, wait, that part doesn't actually connect with the theme for the round.
0: <laughs> okay. So it's like you just like got excited and were just like wanting to put stuff in there and then yeah. had to sort of like, yeah. like back I, it out like, to like figure like out how I, it fits.
3: <laughs> like I'm trying to make some chocolate chip cookies, but I'm like, oh well let me put this uh let, let me put these caramel bits in too because i like caramel. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, yeah
2: yeah um i feel that and i i feel like one of my challenges was just because of the way that i normally run my own stories uh having to think about things beforehand mm-hmm. like i i feel like i'm usually a really like reactive player i'm not somebody who puts an idea forward and then we like go with my idea okay uh so having to be like oh no, I have to think of something that everybody else is going to have to do. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> I I think um uh kind of on that on that note for for me just thinking com- coming up with ideas for like what do I want to add? Um mm-hmm. because like and and I know that the game is supposed to be like kind of simulate kind of like that chi- chaotic uh Nature of like history. There's like so many variables in play that not everything neatly fits into one another. But at the same time, like being a storyteller, I still want there to be like a through line and have callbacks to things and that sort of thing. So those were a lot of things I was trying to think of when it came time for me to add something new. Um, and trying to keep the entire timeline of things that we had already developed in my head and figure out, like, what are we missing? You know, what are we missing? Like, where what's a hole that I could fill with something interesting that kind of, like, you know, feeds off of and adds to some of the themes that we were already working with um, was a challenge. It was a juggling act. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. but it was, a, it was a fun challenge, I think. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm.
0: One thing that I noticed um, we struggled with a fair amount throughout was just, like, working that difference between periods, events, and scenes. Yeah. Um, Where there were times where, like, someone would have an idea for something, but it, like, didn't feel big enough to be a period. But, like, still, like, whoever was coming up with it kind of wanted it to be, like, a chunk of time. And then we had to kind of, like whittle it down to an event that like implied other things yeah or another thing that would happen like with events and scenes where it's like you know is it like like there was a little bit of struggle there for like figuring out if we wanted like a new event or wanted to kind of like broaden the existing event to put a scene in there and that was i think a little bit confusing sometimes
1: yeah, I yeah. think part of that, like, the distinction between an event and a scene was difficult because they both imply a single point in time. Yeah. And so, like, the scene is obviously, like, the the actual scene uh, on, like, a personal level, like a an actual character level. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's supposed to fit inside that event, but I think it was unclear if the scene was supposed to be just an elaboration on that same event or one aspect because like an event is already supposed to be like that one point in time that one like turning point or one um like distinguished moment and then a scene is like supposed to be an even smaller granule you know point in time within that single point in time and i think that was a little bit hard to kind of abstract out yeah Um,
0: yeah i think that sometimes um that like metaphor of like scenes going in an event i think was maybe um, be- because I-, I think if you look at the way the-, the rule book like lays it out so like I think an example from the rule book is you know the event might be you know aliens attack and blow up the White House right yeah um, and that's like a pretty clear event like it has mm-hmm. like you know it's like a kind of a moment but then it says like you know you could have a scene of you know like you know the alien ship is first spotted on radar. And, like, people are trying to figure out what to do. Or you could have a scene, like, you know, people standing nearby after the explosion trying to, like, survive or something. Right. And, like, those are very distinctive scenes. Mm
1: -hmm. But they would both,
0: like, fall inside that event. And I I think that, to me, at least I think it clarifies if you look at a scene as being, like, not so much, like, temporally inside the event, but more, like, being... um, Associated to it. yeah, Yeah, like, associated with the event as being, like... The, the event is, like, if you were to, like, drop a point on a timeline to understand mm. what was happening, like, the event is what you would see. But then the scene is, like, where you kind of, like, choose a particular, like, place and a particular set of people and see what they mm. were doing when that was happening.
1: Right. Another way to think about it, and this is kind of how I, uh, in when we were playing the game, kind of resolved it a little bit, is, like, in the scope of history, an event is, like, a day. Okay. But then a scene is like a moment, 15 minutes or an hour, or like yeah, that sort of thing yeah. in that day, you know, mm-hmm. where it's like an event that was so uh, important that it's re- like that specific date in history is known for that event. Um, you know, and then that mm-hmm. kind of like allows it to like if you were, you know, nesting like the increments of time, it kind of works that way a little bit. Yeah. Cliff you were about to say something I
0: think. Yeah, I think
3: I think that ties in with my, the way I was going to say it kind of ties in with Nick like I know for me when I'm running games I like I think the biggest issue with it was like I'm I usually do things in like four stages as opposed to the three. Okay. So that's part of why you know the differentiations felt harder because like you can look at things like on looking at just like a map you have like the United States Okay, that's the whole of the United States. With microscope, you then jump from looking at the United States as a whole down to a city and then a place in the city, comparatively, where like Mm -hmm. a lot of times where I'm doing it, I'll look at the US, then Ohio, then a city in Ohio, Mm -hmm. then a place in that. Or like on a calendar, you know, the entire calendar year, the month, the day and then a scheduled event in there so i think that was part of where when we were trying to figure out what the you know periods and scenes and events were it just you know like trying to figure out that balance for me at least there was that missing step in my way of thinking when i'm putting stuff together
0: yeah that's, that's an interesting thought um I do think that I agree with the way a microscope presents it, that having just the three levels makes oh, more uh, sense to me. Yeah,
3: I, I don't disagree with that. Okay. Like, it make, it does make sense. It's just a departure from how I usually plot things. So, it's, it's a I me see. problem, not a microscope problem. Okay.
0: Interesting. <laughs> um, what I was going to say is that I think that also, especially with the Vinton scene, to me, I think
3: that,
0: like, this might sound a little bit silly, but, like, you can like know what an event is but like if it involves like core sensory information it's a scene it's like a scene it's not so much about like being temporally contained within the event but it's about like a scene is something you can like hear and see or like even smell because like you're dropping into like particular subjective points of view whereas an event is like an objective summary of some stuff that happens
2: so it's, like, facts versus feelings for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, kind of.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think that makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think another thing that we struggled with a little bit was... I, I think that we, we got better at this as we went, and also um, we were generally able to get here pretty quickly, but um, I know that pretty often, like, someone would lay a scene, but, like, not necessarily give enough detail to, like, really put us there in, like, flesh and blood. And then would have to, like, circle back and, like, be like, well, like, where are we? What exactly are we doing? Like, that's something that, especially like, going back and editing, I heard myself asking a lot. Which was, like, like right. where are we? What are we doing? But but that's something that I think that we, like, got better at. But for people who, like, wanted to play this game at home, that's something that I think would be, like, good to discuss. Is, like, a scene should always, like, focus on, like, a very particular place and time and like really really load it with like sensory data to pull us in
2: right i think what happened with us though is the same thing that happened when we did sleep away because we're all dms we were all like (laughs) we don't want to step on anybody's toes we don't want to give too much information we don't want to dictate too much this is supposed to be a super collaborative thing we don't want to you know say okay well you have to do something like this So we were all just kind of, like, super vague about stuff because we didn't know.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Which I think I contributed some to that because, like, I tried to be vague about stuff when we weren't, like, recording. um, Right. Just to kind of, like, keep as much of it on mic as possible, which was definitely, like, a sort of production aesthetic decision on my part. Um, Mm -hmm. It might be that we would have, like, had fewer kinks if I hadn't, like, been quite as much a stickler about, like... Wanting to record as much of the process as possible, um, so I don't know. I don't think
2: <laughs> I don't think it's kinks necessarily. I think it's just uh, like aesthetic. It's it's yeah, yeah. this is probably our more our most like uh, realistic representation of gameplay on Fable so far.
0: Yeah, that was definitely like what I was going for with this production style, which I thought really suited um, this game. Because the game is so much about that sort of, like, transparency and, like, revealing intentions.
2: Right. Uh, Because, like, the the coolest part about this game to me is that, like, you're focusing on the mechanics. Like, the story is important, but you're getting to the story by way of mechanics.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: Versus something like Sleepaway, which was basically all story all the time, and the mechanics helped us, like, flesh (laughs) out the story, but story was the, the four most important thing.
0: Actually, do you want to, like, dive into that more? Because I'm not actually sure I totally understand what you mean. Um...
2: So, like, when when we were building um, Sleep Away, um, mm-hmm. which everybody should go listen to, because it, it, was, was, a good episode. it was a very excellent episode, uh, episode. Um, so much of that is us sitting down and telling the story in order, mm-hmm. and we're all building off of the same things. Um, and the things that we're doing mechanically are to forward to to like forward the story and the character mm-hmm. building and all of that kind of stuff whereas in microscope we're building things out of order and like where okay. you're getting your <sighs> pleasure isn't the word i want to use <laughs> but kind of like when when you're feeling good about the stuff you're doing it's when you're mechanically building the events or mechanically building the scenes okay. or mechanically you're putting saying, the yeah. things in order versus in something like Sleep Away where the pleasure that you're getting or, like, the, the the dopamine hit or whatever you want to call it <laughs> is like, ah, oh, that was a neat character moment or, ah, oh, we made this cool drama point or, ah, oh, you know, the okay. acting was really good or something like that.
0: Okay. See, what's interesting is um, that's actually not, I think, how I experienced playing microscope because for me it was, like, the the dopamine hit was when, like, someone had a cool idea or something cool happened in a scene I tend to see the mechanics as just being like a structure to help us like get to the cool parts like faster
3: uh uh-huh. and
0: like in an organized way um like I didn't like get that like sense of completion from like filling in the timeline at least like myself um right. that's interesting that like you experienced it that way um yeah
2: that's interesting <laughs> that you you experienced it differently <laughs> yeah
0: yeah yeah like I definitely was like focused much more on just like the cool moments and saw like the, the, the I saw the process as being just like a sort of generator to help you know get us to the cool moments as quick as possible with as large a scope as possible
2: right i i think with microscope though the structure is just like the the game right yeah (laughs) and that's so much different than other games that that we've played for fables or otherwise yeah yeah
0: okay um i wanted to um put us on the spot again and i wanted to kind of ask us like looking back on what we did um, and we can like look all the way back to like the history seed and the palette and stuff. I wanted to ask like what do you think like looking back were like smart decisions, like good things we did, or like what were things that maybe if we were to like, you know, do another season for a microscope, what are things we might like approach differently with it?
3: I feel like on a meta sense, that's a easier question to answer just because, you know, with the way the history seed and everything works Every approach is going to have that variance to it, since, you know, we try not to plan ahead for a whole lot outside of like, oh, my turn's coming up in two rounds, what do I want to do? But I think in the, the meta sense, maybe, I don't know, I think we had some real specifics, but also some real vague ideas when we were coming up with our palette, so... You know, maybe just try and, like, rein in, like, you know, go with, like, all more loose concepts or all more tightened down ones. Like, we had concepts of dragons, which was pretty specific, and we also had uh, soulmates, which is wide open in interpretations. <laughs> so, hmm. uh, I think, think for that. for that that, it's an interesting level of complexity, but I'm not sure how well it ended up uh serving us. I think it came out good, but I think it was also very easy for that to uh become an issue as far as trying to develop ideas around them. Okay.
1: Yeah, um like honestly, I don't really have any regrets with the way we did it because I think <laughs> that was like that's part of the game. You know what I mean? Yeah, like Yeah, for sure. Um so like yeah, there was some curveballs there, but that's like the point. That's like, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um and and I think things uh like to to cliffs point. I think things being some things being specific and some things being super vague is also like part of it, you know, because mm-hmm. if you look at it, the dragons, which is a very specific thing, uh and we did have them included indirectly but like in one event. Yeah, I didn't basically. really go very far. But the Soulmates thing ended up being sprinkled out more throughout the whole yeah. the whole story, and I think that's because the vagueness of it allowed us to do more weird and different things that yeah. maybe wouldn't have happened if that particular um, item on our palette was more defined.
0: Yeah. I mean, I also think that Soulmates was just intrinsically a spicier idea than Dragon's. wow okay Okay. (laughs) I mean dragons are cool okay dragons are cool but it's like we're all like 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 we know kind of what dragons are and how they work Um, (laughs) you can like riff on it but then like at a certain point like when you have like people shaped dragons like are they dragons like you know it's just like basically anything that you can think of having been done with dragons and maybe this is more a symptom of, like, what I read, but for me, dragons feel very, like, you know, okay, it's a dragon, cool. Um, (laughs) But, like... We need some space dragons, Nick. (laughs) God. You've had a space dragon. (laughs)
2: Um,
0: But then, like, I don't know, like, Soulmates felt much more interesting to, like, sprinkle in. Um, And maybe that's, for me, not really being, like, a romance reader. It was, like, a very, like, new and interesting thing to sprinkle into a sort of, like, fantasy story. Um, it's, like, maybe not what I would fully expect. And, and, and like you said, it was more vague, so it, like, had a lot more open-ended potential to, like, be brought in through different, like, back doors in fun ways.
2: See, maybe I'm a weirdo, but I could think that, um, if we were able to tighten up maybe specifically like, our genre, uh, it would have helped us but again i'm also somebody who likes very like small scale stories so yeah. doing big eras along histories was very like not something for me i think
0: <laughs> okay yeah i was going to say um this isn't like i don't even frame this as a regret for the game but something that if i were to do another game of microscope which i'm sure i will do another game of microscope it might not be recorded um but next time I play Microscope, I think I so, so something that the book talks about when you're generating a seed is it kind of like emphasizes the idea that the seed doesn't have to be that interesting, um, mm-hmm. because like the the gameplay will make it interesting, and right. I think that looking back, like I think our seed might have been a little bit too um, compelling <laughs> in some ways. Because if you look at, like, all our different, like, themes and a lot of the stuff we did, we really, like, sort of glued onto, like, the magic versus technology theme. And, like, really, like, almost everything that happened sort of, like, circled around to that core idea. Which, on the one hand, like, gives the history a certain level of cohesion. But I do think that, like, it sort of put us in a smaller box than uh, maybe would have been ideal. Whereas if we had gone with, like, something, like, really generic, like the like, three nations come together, sort of, history seed, like, I think the history we came up with wouldn't have been as coherent and wouldn't have had as much, like, clear direction, but might have had, like, more room for just, like, interesting, like, characters that, like, make interesting decisions.
2: Right. Yeah. I could
0: see that. Um, okay, so let's get to, just, like, um... What are like some cool things that you like about the history we put together? Like what are? Oh, uh, we'll, we'll do it this way. Okay, so let's start with just like what is everyone's favorite scene?
2: Oh man, mm. that's so hard. <laughs> I love so many of them.
0: Um, I can kick it off. I think. I I think my favorite scene was the um cavern scene, um mm. where I was mm-hmm. playing. I think I named her. Elena or Alana something like that um oh
2: yeah where the crystal falls yeah and
0: the crystal falls I really liked that scene um I thought that like the overall setup for it was cool um I really liked playing that character in particular um and I just thought it was neat and cool and also just like when editing it was like oh this is like neat and I liked that we had a lot of like random lines in there that sort of like implied bigger things or had like cool like uh like cool um what's the word? like i don't know this will let it out probably <laughs> <laughs> like like things that had cool i, I want to say like ramifications but that's not quite right like uh um implications there we go that's what i'm trying to find <laughs> like stuff that had cool implicate yeah i got there <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of stuff in there that had like cool implications i thought um yeah
2: yeah, I think that was definitely one of our scenes that had the most drama TM in it.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: And it was a scene where we got to kill everyone.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. That was my favorite. I like
0: killing my characters. It's fun. It's a good time. Yeah.
1: Um, I'm torn I really like the the scene with the forge. The okay. whole like conversation with the forge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also really like the, the the cyberpunk hacking scene as well. That was, was a good a scene too. Nicholas, that was gonna be like the scenes favorite. I liked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, it's not like you picked
0: two. Yeah. It's kind of a dick move. Yeah. Uh,
3: yeah. I I really okay like the it. wild swing of like, do I want the forge to be sentient? Yeah. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yes. yeah. Let's go. That
2: was the moment you asked that question, and it was just like, oh my god, what a brilliant and stupid idea at the same time. <laughs> and it works so good
0: (laughs) yeah yeah the scene came out really nice
3: also low-key the character types that i chose to play in the scenes i think reflects a lot about me and i really need to sit and think on my life
2: (laughs) (laughs) um a scene we didn't mention that i love mostly due to tom's editing after listening to the playback um, the first time we are in Nistia, and it's uh Selene and Robilius, I believe. Yeah,
0: yeah. And Ingram. Um,
2: <laughs> the The way you track that with the music, um, mm-hmm. instantly brought everything to life in my mind. I could hear like the cobblestone and like see people walking down the street and feel like you know the candles lighting in the the room and stuff like that uh it's so just like bright and happy and it it feel it felt like somewhere that was magical inherently and that was really cool
0: i'm glad that worked for you um that's actually a good segue to talk about like the the production i did with it where i was doing all like the original music um like so chelsea i know you were listening to the episodes they were coming out um like, Nick and Cliff, were you guys, like, actually listening to the episodes with the music and everything? Um, yeah. If you weren't, that's fine, because I don't listen to episodes I record usually. <laughs> <laughs>
3: uh, I listened yeah, I don't, to the I, first one, but I... Okay. I, I, I haven't finished third. the
1: last one, but I got I okay. was, Got through all of the other ones.
0: Yeah. So, I was... um. So, so, obviously, like, I was doing something pretty distinct with the music in there, where, like, basically every scene has, like, music running all the way through it. And it is, like, all original music. Um, it, it was, I mean, it's it's all stuff that I was able to play, like, in one take, essentially, like, straight through the scene. So I wasn't, like, I wasn't, like, scoring it in, like, a, like, you know, John Williams sitting down with, like, a rough cut of the film to, like, you know, put together an orchestral score. It was more, like, me with the MIDI keyboard, like, kind of plunking away as stuff happened. Um, but I did think it was neat. So I was, like... Wondering, like, how well do you guys think that effect, like, worked? Like, was that, like, a... Like, how did that do at bringing the scenes to life? Because that was kind of, like, my goal with it. I I think it worked exceptionally well. Cool.
3: Yeah, from what I've listened to of the episodes, and it's not anything against us, it's (laughs) I hate my voice and my cadence, and I'm learning that more as I'm editing my other stuff. And it's just, (laughs) like, I hate this, but... No, I think from what I've listened to, it really pops it and, you know, helps, like Chelsea was saying, like, brings the scenes to life. hmm
2: Um, and even if we're looking at it, um, if we zoom out from the scenes in particular and look at the whole cut of the, the podcast, it really helps break up, um, the segments, I think. Yeah. Um, especially when you get into episode, episode two where there's more than just two scenes, um, As someone who loses focus very easily, uh, having the music come in and be like, okay, this is a scene, let's pay attention. And then the music drops out and you're like, okay, this is different now, let's pay attention. Okay. It's just kind of like this reminder that um, it's sonically different and it keeps attention better, I think. Okay.
0: That's good to hear. Like, I definitely, like, my kind of, like, aesthetic goal was to, like, use the music, like, both, like, set an atmosphere, but also to, like, try and make the scenes feel special because um, like I very purposefully like never used any like sound design elements outside of a scene um because right. I wanted to like have that contrast um mm-hmm. so I-, I thought it was neat um I don't know if it would be appropriate for every game obviously well I mean most RPGs would be like all seen <laughs> from <laughs> yeah, <a microscope's> right. <laughs> perspective <laughs> but I think that for microscope like having that distinction helped um I thought it was neat. I was I was like pretty happy with it. Um, okay, I'll I'll stop tooting on that. <laughs> no, you should be proud of
2: yourself. It, t- you. it turned out very well.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm glad I'm glad it worked. Um, I hope that people found the music fun and not annoying, um, especially my 15 minute drum solo. <laughs>
2: <laughs> turned into tune into fables around the table, Prague. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um okay uh so i'm gonna throw this out here of um favorite character mm. oh no that's yeah. also
2: i love so many of them
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: i mean it's true we stand we stand queen annabelle in this house that's Obviously. Just... <laughs>
3: yeah.
2: <laughs> and annabelle being so important was so funny to me because i made her basically as like Not a joke character, (laughs) but when we did that first scene, I was like, this character is going to go nowhere, and I'm going to let them take the reins on this, because I have no idea where we're going with this alien thing, and then, you know, she read a revolution.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That's something that, like, I kind of, a little bit did deliberately, because, like, I wanted, um... Because, like, I, I knew you had kind of created Annabelle in that first scene as a joke character. And, like, she just uh-huh. didn't get to do much. Right. Um, Which I sort of, like, felt a little bad that, like, your character in the first scene didn't really do anything. And we kind of ended the scene before she could, like, actually be involved. So, like, from the moment that happened, I was sitting there, like, thinking, like, Annabelle, like, needs to come back. Because, like, we didn't do her, like, justice in the very first scene of the show. <laughs>
1: And little did we know
2: Little did we know Well, the
1: way it The way it ends up working in the end Is it feels like Her being in that scene But not doing anything is like clever Foreshadowing
0: right. Well, it's easy to do foreshadowing When you do your story out of order Uh, Ah, yes,
2: it was all part of the plan Yeah
0: Yeah. It actually is a beautiful thing Because like, because like we can just like jump around and do different stuff like we can just decide that a random throwaway thing from one part was like actually clever foreshadowing of this other thing yeah Um, (laughs) i do think it's interesting that in microscope you almost have like time we have like almost like two time axes if this makes sense Mm -hmm. where you have like the time axis of like the history which is, like, just the order of events that happen. But then you also have, like, the time axis, which is, like, the order in which information is revealed. Mm-hmm. Um, like, if you're just playing around the table with your buds, it's, like, the, the timing for information being revealed to the table. For us, it's, like, the time of information being revealed to the audience. Um, but the same right. idea where it's, like, there's almost, like... So it creates, like, this meta-narrative that sits on top of the actual, like, chronology... That's mm-hmm. the meta narrative of elements. They get dropped and then like picked up later and turned into something, even though getting picked up later might actually mean showing up earlier in the chronology to sort of be like retroactively made more important. Right. It's just like a very interesting storytelling style.
1: Yeah. And, yeah. Well, and if you think about it, like a lot of like a lot of like fiction or fantasy fiction is kind of told in that way, where your yeah. main story takes place in one point, but you jump around and get flashbacks and glimpses into other parts of the world, and that's. What, I'm mostly referencing Stormlight Archive because <laughs> I, <laughs> I finally started talked reading, into reading it. Yeah, but but it feels similar, you know. Yeah,
0: yeah, um, yeah. I mean, for sure, um, like it's very much a staple of the fantasy genre and science fiction, to an extent too, of like. Either, like, using explicit flashbacks, having, like, prologues, or more common is using, like, in-universe lore drops to, like, flesh out this, like, epic background history um, that can be just as interesting as the actual story playing out. Um, It's just, like, a tradition of the genre, and it's a tradition I'm, like, personally fond of. Like, I tend to find, like, that often, like, what's pushing me through... A fantasy book is like that desire to learn more about this world's history um so it's qu- sort of like a you know come for the interesting characters and stay for the convoluted lore <laughs>
1: <laughs> and i mean microscope is like convoluted lore of the game so yeah
0: yeah i mean that's what really drew me personally to it in the first place i mean the story of finding this game was i was like browsing the uh, Indie Press Revolution booth at Gen Con, or maybe his origins. Uh, it was it was one of those cons. I was like kind of going through shelves of games, and I you know flip open *Microscope* from the shelf and see that it's you know a game that explicitly calls out like *Dune* and *Foundation* and *Silmarillion*, um, which are all some of like books that I enjoy a lot, um, and is like, yeah, this is the game for like creating that type of epic history. And I was immediately like, I've never seen a game even remotely like that. So I've gotta check this out. <laughs> yeah. I was I was pretty excited with how it how it came to play. I thought we made a legitimately pretty epic history, which is kinda kinda my jam with it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. hmm
3: Uh do you
2: guys have favorite characters or is it just me? <laughs>
0: oh yeah, I guess we got pretty far afield. <laughs> Um, I was going to say I liked Clove a lot.
2: Oh, Clove was so good. (laughs) Clove was really fun
0: to play. Clove was just this, like, I don't know, I I like playing, like, Narc Dad.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm, like, I, like, forget most of the characters' names, honestly. (laughs) Good. We didn't spend enough time with them for the names to stick.
3: (laughs) I like the Forge. The forge okay. was good. The
0: forge was good.
1: Uh, what was Tom? What was your character in the in the forge scene? What was his name?
0: Like Bob or something,
2: or like Steve? It was something Steve. like really innocuous.
0: Yeah. I think <laughs> yeah. Fiona and I have been referring to him as Rick
2: Moranis.
1: Rick Moranis. <laughs> oh, yeah, Fiona just posted very, Rob. Very very big Rob. Rick Moranis. Yeah, everybody. yeah, That's Rob, what it was. that makes sense. Rob, yes. Yeah, but Fiona Rob's and I my definitely have, have cast him as Rick Moranis.
0: <laughs> that scene overall was extremely weird and pretty fun
1: yeah
2: yeah for sure uh, that scene really stands out to me uh the cyberpunk scene really stands out to me Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh gosh listening back to that cyberpunk scene and playing um my character what the fuck was their name uh gate
0: gate yeah or gateway i
2: i said chickadee on a podcast Hell <laughs> oh, yeah you did
3: that got in the trailer too it's in
1: the trailer i
2: i was listening to it and i was just like what what was i thinking <laughs> <laughs> what a weird choice <laughs> listen
0: you just got really into characters just how gateway talks yeah
1: <laughs>
2: i love them they were they were they were a perfect yeah, character yeah <laughs>
0: um okay i wanted to um as this will probably kind of be like our final chunk here um i wanted to kind of go through with our seed since it focused so heavily on the magic and technology i kind of wanted to run us through like our thoughts on so i'm going to do like first how magic developed and then how technology developed i want to finalize with like how those ended up synthesizing like how how did that play out and how do we kind of like that so let's let's start with like the the magic side like what were like some interesting things about the way we like developed Magic, and or are there things that you wish we had like gotten into more with it?
1: Hmm.
2: That's a hard question. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and you guys need to sit on it for a minute. That's fine. We, we can edit out the
1: silence. No, right. we need to leave it real time.
2: Boom. They need to know we struggled <laughs> with this one. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um. <laughs> So, we we alluded to it a bunch, but we didn't actually, like, do anything with it directly. And the, I guess the Forge kind of became a proxy for this idea, was that, like, the idea of, like, the magic imbued weapons. Um, yeah. Was something I think we were all anticipating being more important, and it just didn't end up being important. Just, yeah. you know.
0: I think that there was a difficulty of integration there, where, like, mm-hmm. the very like because we established it was supposed to be like a very feelings-based magic yeah and that just like doesn't like, it, like it's not like you can't integrate it with like creating like magic weapons and mm-hmm. obviously we did talk about it at various points but it just like doesn't feel as thematic like right like, having like if you have a more like engineering science sort of magic like creating items feels very natural but for like yeah. a feelings-based magic like, well, like, for instance, you don't see, like, people in Avatar The Last Airbender, like, imbuing magic swords with bending. They
1: just bend. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I think, I think what we had, like, hinted at, and then, like, what, what is, like, the implied, like, lore of it is that, like, the severing of this, like, emotional bonds, like, can create these crystals that can be used Like Mm, for weapons, and I and I, if we explored it further, I would think that it would almost be like presented as like a bastardization of that magic. Yeah, that would make sense.
2: Yeah, and I think if we would have had more like action scenes, because we really
0: did,
1: no, we sort of
0: avoided action scenes. Yeah, Yeah, Mm -hmm.
2: I think we would have been able to explore that more if we were actually like in battles with weapons instead of talking about battles with weapons. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I I
1: think inherently, like, with this kind of, uh, like, podcast and, like, this sort of thing, like, the scenes where there's more talking happening than action happening is inherently more interesting anyway.
2: Right. Yeah, that's fair. Um, Because it seems like something that we did do thematically was the question between, you know, feelings and magic versus logic and technology, mm-hmm um and I, I we could have explored it better. I i absolutely agree. but I think that got across in some spaces.
0: Yeah, well, so let's pivot to talking about like the technology like like what do we think of the way I think that on the whole we did less with technology, but we did do some, especially in like the cyberpunk and more like modern eras. but let's talk about technology a little bit. like what do we think about how we like move technology through the eras?
2: I wish we would have done something a little more uh, abstract than what is, like, real life is.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay.
2: Um. Not that I think that what, what we did was bad, or, like, inherently mm-hmm. 100% realistic. Uh, But for being like, yeah, we're going to focus on technology versus magic and stuff like that. Like, we didn't really make any, like, cool technology, except maybe, maybe the Forge, but the Forge is also very magic (laughs) yeah yeah
3: yeah i kind of have a headcanon about the forge that it was the device used at the purge of worms and the reason Mm. it had the ability to become sentient is because it was technology designed to draw magic and dragons being inherently magical like i don't know exactly how it did but it pulled their magic and kind of like left that resonance of sentience from the dragons okay. and they were able to like the people it called mother it's mother and father were able to like extract that consciousness out so that it could still communicate so it's technically kind of the last dragon but that's just a headcanon i've had it for myself okay. so that's a cool idea though
1: i think that makes sense yeah
0: um so let's like kind of and maybe this can be well we'll do like final thoughts before we're done but as like maybe like a final specific point i want to talk about like how how magic and technology kind of like synthesize because that was like the the ending point of our theme was like the synthesis um and like I, I guess i'll start like my crack at that synthesis was that idea of like not so much like magitech but like the the melding and the end of like using astronomy to find a planet and then like magic to get there yeah that was like it was like a synthesis without like turning magic into technology yeah um, so that was like my crack at it how, like um how do we feel about how that kind of developed over the game like did I, that like work or did it not
1: no i think that did work um and, and we, I mean, cause there was like examples throughout the entire story of like the actual merging of technology and magic in the sense of the forge. But I yeah. like that the end result, the, like the true synthesis of these two forces is not actually that it feels like a, a, a clever subversion that I, I quite like. And also one that, that feels realistic, you know, you don't necessarily have to combine these two things together to use them both, you know, mm-hmm they're two separate tools that have their own uses and you use one for one thing and the other for another. Um, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think that does uh, kind of wrap up the, the storylines that we were toying with uh, quite well.
0: Any other thoughts on that before we kind of pivot to final, final thoughts?
2: Uh, This is, I think sort of related that it was a question that I was thinking when we were, when we, when we first did the palette, I, I sat down and I said to my roommate, I was like, oh my God, there's no good guy in this story. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so who do y- who do you guys think were the good guys, quote unquote, in the story? Because... <laughs> So, my thought was, we're starting off with these, you know, aristocratic magic guys who are assholes. And then they're defeated by technological guys that turn into cyber corporations who are Mm -hmm. also assholes.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I mean... uh, We're beyond heels and faces. They're just people. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think that, at least the way I understand it, is that, like, neither, like, the magic nor the technology were good or bad like the, the good guys were the people throughout this entire history who were like trying to help people and trying to do the right thing mm-hmm. and just being good to each other and the bad guys were the ones who were like taking whichever like power they chose and used it to like exploit and abuse others um so like the good guys were you know maybe people like annabelle who you know killed her abusive husband and became queen (laughs) 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 um or like the good guys were um people like robilius and um selena who were just like trying to figure out how to make things better whatever way they could like you know Mm -hmm. protect what they had but were like willing to set it aside if they had to um
1: nerda herself
0: yeah 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 like nerda um and the bad guys are people like Netheril and like uh, Nick's character in the boardroom. Yeah. Um, ah. or like, you know, the you know, the security thugs who were trying to take down, you know, Gateway and Nadia. Mm-hmm. Um so I think it's it's like that that's why I think is interesting is that like the good guys weren't the technologists or the uh the mages because like that really wasn't The true conflict, in a sense, like the true conflict, was between like people who were like kind of underneath, basically people who were a little bit more marginalized, people who were just like trying to figure out how to get out from under oppressive power structures and do the right thing, versus Mm. people who were taking whichever tool they had in hand and using it to you know twist the screws on people who were already hurting.
3: Yeah, Yeah. which is definitely agree with that. Like the whole, (laughs) Mm -hmm. like we were saying earlier, like, like it needs to, like the, the magic and the technology, you know, more living in harmony with each other, not necessarily being the fusion is the conclusion. Because like we said with the forge earlier, if you literally combine them, that's just something for the oppressive groups in either side to take advantage of. Yeah, just finding that harmony within the differences. Yeah,
0: although I tend to see it as at least in the way that our history developed, I think that it's not so much that like harmony between magic and technology led to like prosperity, but it's more that like prosperity and like people fighting the good fight led to you know an erosion of the oppressive systems that caused the tension in the first place.
1: Yeah,
3: yeah, I, I I agree with that assessment. I'm just saying like. It's, you, it's from our history, like, it kind of shows that, like, you know, once those oppressive systems are being, you know, bro- truly broken down and not just a shiny coat of paint on it like we had in the uh, Armistice Age, it yeah. actually, mm. you know, mm-hmm. that's when things settle down and live in harmony.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right, well, that felt like pretty profound thoughts for this little game. <laughs> before we kind of uh, wrap up this retro are there any like final final thoughts people wanted to throw out there on the table
1: I had fun and I would be really interested to see um, what a different group you know like a different a different combination of people with a different seed would come up with using the same exact game uh, because yeah, the game seems like that's what it's for you know yeah. you can yeah. get different ideas together different people together and create something vastly different mm-hmm.
2: yeah Um, and I would say, don't let a game like this intimidate you. This was something that I picked up and read the book and was like, oh my God, I'm going to suck at this. (laughs) This is going to not be for me. Uh, and well, I feel like I struggled at some points. Like this was still a lot of fun and I think will help me further on when I'm, you know, building stories and stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, so don't be intimidated try stuff you don't think that you would uh inherently be good at because you can still make something pretty cool
1: mm-hmm. I, mean, I
2: would
0: say on the whole this game is easier to play than d like oh it gar- yeah, yeah
2: there's not that easily. much to
0: it like <laughs> I, I mean, it's not like perfect like you know just like any game like you know your first session or so of something you'll be kind of working the kinks out um but like yeah this game isn't that hard um i would definitely suggest check you know pick the game up you know play a session with your buds see how it goes
3: yeah, yeah, and there's no reason why you can't use this use this to build the worlds that you're going to play in for other games. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. there's no reason you can't like use this to build like a powered by the apocalypse game system world or a D and D world or you know a Starfinder or
1: mm-hmm.
3: uh, non licensed games that don't already have a huge setting built into it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, like uh I, I'd already I'd been saying that like creating a vast history with microscope and then uh, what's the other game um I think that's by Lame Mage Productions that's like you can create a kingdom?
0: Kingdom, yeah. I haven't actually is it... like read Kingdom yet. Um which uh, I, is it I
1: is it just called Kingdom? I think so.
0: I think it's just called yeah. Kingdom,
1: yeah. <laughs> um so I, I was saying it'd be really cool like create a vast history with microscope, then play Kingdom a bunch of times to create <laughs> different nations. And then play Diplomacy. Man, <laughs> that's the galaxy brain idea right there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, so we do have an announcement to make um, for people who have made it this far. Um, there our new season of Fables Around the Table will be premiering. Um, when is it premiering? Uh,
2: well, it's going up Wednesday, isn't it? Like after this.
1: Is it the
2: uh,
1: 27th? The
0: 27th. There we go. Yeah. yeah okay. okay. So, Thank you So yeah, me. we have an announcement. <laughs> um, the new episode or the new season of Fables Around the Table, which is called Lost, will be premiering on January 27th. And that is um, a group playing an RPG called Babes in the Woods, which is strongly inspired by um, the TV show Over the Garden Wall. So if that's something you're into, I think you'll really like it. Uh, yes, "Babes in the Woods" second edition by Adam Voss. Mm-hmm. And now I've got a train going by, right, right at the end here. Good. <laughs> oh, it actually, it's a plane, I think. And, okay, well, well, Fiona will get will get it in the trailer. It's fine. <laughs> 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 Fiona's <laughs> on the teleprompter right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like this yeah, using Discord as a teleprompter isn't really. um but yeah so okay so it's okay i'll just
1: (laughs) i need i need an isolated sample of that noise
0: (laughs) so we do have a cool announcement to make which is um the next season of fables around the table will be coming out on january 27th um and in that season um The group will be playing um, a game called Babes in the Woods 2nd Edition, which is in Kickstarter right now. So you can go back that if you want. And um, it is a game um, loosely inspired by the TV show Over the Garden Wall. So if any of that sounds cool or familiar to you, um, it's pretty exciting. And I think you'll like it. And we're going to have a trailer for that at the end of this episode if you stick around.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that game is of course uh, GM'd by Fiona Lf Kelly and it it features uh, myself, uh, Roger, who played uh, Barrick back in Tainted Love, and also our friend Caitlin.
3: I can't wait to listen because I don't have to listen to myself, so I'll be eager to <laughs> listen and hit that play button. Fair.
2: I'm so excited to have the sable off. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, after
0: editing these now, I like really feel that. <laughs> All right. Um let's uh go do one final round of, you know, uh plugging ourselves and we'll be done. Great. So, yeah, so I've been Tom. Um I'm with Project Derailed and you can find other stuff I've been involved in all over the place here in Project Derailed. Um Nick, what's your deal?
1: Sure um uh, once again i'm nick uroseva you can follow me personally on twitter at nick underscore uh, I am the dungeon master of tales of the voidfarer you can follow us at voidfarer pod on twitter and elsewhere on the internet i'm sure you'll find it um and uh yeah i do other lots of other things with project derailed so hey Oh, you know, you, you people should join our uh, Project Derailed Discord! Uh, yeah. You can go there easily by going to bit.ly uh, slash derailed hyphen discord. Nice.
2: Chelsea, what's come your be, deal? Come be our friend. Um, so, I'm Chelsea Rexinger. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at clrex4. Um, I do a lot of illustration and art assets for Project Derailed, And if you like candles, I also co-own a nerdy candle business where you can get your own uh, tabletop role-playing characters uh, immortalized in a very good-smelling candle. Uh, You can find us at Plot Kindling Candles on Etsy.
3: Nice.
0: And Cliff, what's your deal?
3: Hi, I'm Cliff. If you've listened to the last two seasons of Fables <laughs> Around the Table, you know I am one half of the Nerdcore Hip Hop Group 2D6 with, with Voidfarer's Luckbeak. I also run a uh, D&D 5th edition Food Network inspired podcast called Taverns, Travel, and Tests. Please listen. You can follow that on, at Triple T d on Twitter. Uh, you can also follow The Comic Sads on Twitter. That's my uh, main handle, though, to be honest, I shouldn't say main because I'm mostly on Triple T D&D. Please listen to Triple T D&D. <laughs> and all the other great Project Derailed shows. I love you.
0: We love you too, Cliff. I'm sure our audience does as well. All right. Well, everyone, uh, this has been a lot of fun. Um, thank you so much for being on this show. And. Um, hope everyone and our audience has a uh, fantastic rest of their day
1: bye bye everyone
3: bye
0: it's the evening of halloween trick-or-treating
2: is in full swing across the neighborhood pillowcases and buckets shaped to look like jack-o'-lanterns are filling with candy in all the hustle and bustle two children take a shortcut through the woods however no matter how long they walk they never reach the
0: expected break in the trees The sun sets in the sky, and the wind whistles through the red and yellow leaves.
2: The children meet new friends, woodland creatures, scarecrows, and other strange denizens of the woods. Still, they must find their way home.
0: The Fiend is coming. Fables Around the Table, Lost
1: premieres January 27th, wherever you get your podcasts.